Since we have very little time, uh, turn to Isaiah 61, Psalm 26, Revelation 26. <laughs> Just kidding. Psalms 61, the first three verses here. Um, I had my little sermonette ready to go this morning. I was excited about it. I felt it was the Lord. And um, during worship this morning, God said, you're doing something different. I said, no, I'm not because I, I can't do that. And, but anyway, we did today. And um, it's quite obvious why God wanted me to go through these first three verses in Psalm 61. Because every worship song tonight was about Psalm 61. Or I'm sorry, Isaiah 61. Please forgive me. Isaiah 61, the word that God specifically gave me today and in the last few days actually is called reward. And Pastor Bob and Sue, God has a reward for you guys and he has a reward for City Harvest Church. And I will get to that in a minute, but I just want to share my heart this, uh, this afternoon, just these three verses that every one of you sang tonight. I'm just going to start out with this. God's anointed us. Shannon said earlier in her word that you replace what's in there with City Harvest Church. And I want each verse that we go through, each sentence we go through, I want you to interject yourself in there and the church in there. Jesus got up in Luke chapter 4, and he quoted this scripture when he was teaching in a synagogue. And Jesus was obviously the anointed one. He was the one that went to the cross. He was the one that died for our sin. He was the one that ascended on high. He was the one that poured out the Holy Spirit. But when he poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church, we instantly received the anointing that Jesus had to do what Jesus did. Amen. We don't read scripture and look at this scripture and look at the New Testament and go, wow, that's really cool, all those things that God did back then. We live them today. So when we go through this, I just want you to interject yourself, your life, and the life of this church. Because like we've heard the last, all day today and the last few days as pastors, um, in, in J.O.'s word, we haven't seen anything yet. We've seen a lot of stuff, but what God wants to do is far greater. Amen. Amen. So as we continue here, it says, proclaim good news to the poor. If you are a born-again believer where you've received the Spirit of God into your life, I want you to raise your hand. Just real quick. Every one of you that have raised your hand tonight, you have a story. And that is the good news. That's a good, the good news is your story where you were in darkness and you were transformed to light. So when you go out and proclaim and you don't know the word of God and you're going, oh my God, I can't do that until I get a degree, that's a lie. You have a story to say. And when you tell people your story, how you've been transformed by a living God from darkness to light, that is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. He sent us to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm reminded of the woman at the well in John 4. She was divorced five times and living with another guy at the time. 
She was a woman who had a heavy heart and she was broken. She was broken hearted. This church over the last 20 years has been a church that has helped the broken hearted. Your story and your life is what's going to transform and help transform people out in your community. You can go to the broken hearted. Proclaim freedom to the captives. Man, I love the story of the demoniac. The dude had a lot of demons. A legion, I don't know how many that is. It's more than two. It's probably more than ten. It's a whole bunch. But there's something about this story that grips me more than anything. And I want you to interject your life into this because you walk in the same power that Jesus Christ walked in. This man was so full of demons, so demon-possessed. He was totally out of control, and people couldn't handle him. They couldn't control him. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, nothing can hold this man back from going to the answer. When you show up on the scene at work or wherever you're at in life, you possess the same exact presence of God Almighty and those people who are depressed and have demons, guess what? You have the answer for them. Amen. That is a mark on this church, amen. Release from the darkness for the prisoners. I'm reminded of a story in Acts 16. Paul and Silas were beat with rods. They were drugged into prison. They went to the deepest cell in the dungeon. The lights were turned on. The shackles were put on their feet and their hands. And guess what? God released them when they began to sing, when they began to praise the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord went into that dungeon. The same exact thing happens or can happen when you go out into the world. This church has been a beacon of light, a beacon, a strong tower for people to come in and get delivered from darkness. Amen. Amen. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I don't know about you, but how many in here would be honest and raise your hand? I would be the first that you were gripped by the enemy at some time in your life and you couldn't get out of that grip. Okay? You now are the ones that proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You have the proclamation within you to go wherever you go throughout the week and proclaim the favor of the Lord and the enemy has to let go. Just like you heard this morning from jail. Come on. And the day of vengeance of our God. This one is so important. It's like, whoa, what does that mean? It means probably a couple things, but I'm going to focus on this tonight. This church has taught people how to forgive. If you're in here tonight and you have not forgiven somebody, if you have bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in your heart, God is the one that does vengeance. We release those people in Jesus' name. We forgive those people in Jesus' name. And when we do that, all of a sudden, all heaven breaks loose. And heaven is released. And God's vengeance takes care of the situation that we don't have to. The only thing that happens in bitterness and unforgiveness is our life gets messed up. Our life gets 
boiled down. We get so bitter and we can't even see straight. This church has been a church that's taught people how to release and say, you know what? God can take care of that. Some of it's very difficult. I know that. But right here, Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus. Jesus did the work and Jesus anointed us to do that same work. Amen. Comfort all who mourn. People need comforted, amen. Reminded of the woman that walked into the room where Jesus was with a bunch of sinners. And she's standing there and she began to weep. She just began to confess who she was and a sinner. And she knelt down and she began to wash the feet of Jesus with her tears in her hair. Because she was so, she was mourning right in front of a bunch of religious people and right in front of Jesus. And Jesus comforted her. Not only did he comfort her, but he said, this woman will be recognized wherever the gospel is ever preached throughout the world. We are a church that comforts the morning. And I love that about City Harvest Church. Provide for those who grieve in Zion. Is there anybody in here that is doing good 24-7 all year long? I don't think so. The body of Christ is designed to be members of one another. When you're down, you're not down, and you help the one that is down. We comfort each other. Bestow them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Man, I love this. I don't know how many times I've heard this from Pastor Bob over 20 years. God does not make junk. Do you hear that? Is there one time that you could find in Scripture where Jesus Christ passed by someone and said, you're not worth it? There's not one time he ever did that. He does not make junk. When God puts somebody in front of us, that's our ministry time. The oil of joy instead of mourning. What um, Phil preached on and J.L. preached on this morning about faith and trust. Joy is about trusting in the Lord. And when we trust in the Lord, we have joy. We don't look at our circumstance and go, I'm gonna, my, my, my attitude is going to be based on what I'm going through. has nothing to do with that. We trust in the Lord. Therefore, we have the joy of the Lord. I love this one. The garment of praise instead of despair. Has anybody in here ever been in despair? Despair is not a fun place to be in. Paul and Silas, when they were in the dungeon, they were so beat up, so bloody, and then the lights went off. They were shackled. Now, they had an option, Jesus or despair. This church has had an option, Jesus, and said, I'm going to help spare. This church has been a church, a beacon of light, and said, I'm going to help you get out of despair. It might be a while. I don't know what it's going to take or an entail, but we're going to walk you out of despair. And this is the end, but CHC will be called, in verse 3, Oaks of Righteousness. We know that oak trees are huge. We know that they are hard to take down. This church has been a place where people could come to. I love this. A planting of the Lord. This church has been planted by God. 
This church is not moving. This building might blow up tomorrow. This church is not moving because God planted this thing for the display of his splendor. I think I've heard that about 20 times today. The glory of God is in this place, amen? And you are a church that is a beacon of light. It's amazing to see the history. The, and I, I even write in my book, when Lori and I were here for 12 years, we saw the good, the bad, and the ugly about ministry. And every one of you know what I'm talking about. We have stuff in our life that needs to deal with. But this is a place of refuge that people could come to. Pastor Bob and Sue, this is on you right now. This is who you two are. This is who you two have been since we've known you. You have been faithful. You have been resolute. You have been steadfast. You have been obedient to your call. And you have maintained the foundation of what God called this church to be. And the reward of City Harvest Church, since this is such a pillar of light, an imperfect place where imperfect people are, but the splendor of God is in this place. Bob and Sue and City Harvest Church, your reward is the greatest thing that God can give you. More broken people. Because you guys heard this morning, you are an army. And there's one thing that army loves to do, and Marines, if you're from Marine, they love to conquer things. Your reward is broken people that are going to come in those doors. And you, not the sermon on Sunday morning, you have the word of the Lord for those people who come to this place, amen? And one thing I know, I've worked here for 12 years, was the most amazing time of our life, but there's something bigger, faster, and stronger about this church now than there was even 10 years ago. There are more mature Christians here now, so when the broken come in, they're gonna get fixed a lot faster, amen? I think Bob said there's 500,000 people in Clark County now. It's a lot of broken people, amen? We need them. Father, bless this church and reward them tonight, Lord God, for the next 20, 30, and 40 years with people that need Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> that was awesome. I got to reap some of that reward here at City Harvest Church. So many struggling people and opportunities to, to serve people in that aspect. And I'm going to just grab that word. I'm going to take it with me to Kauai Bible Church and believe that uh, we're going to reap that same reward, um, having the opportunity to touch the lives of broken people. Um, Matt, when I first met Matt, he was a youth pastor, and uh, I was doing a, a suicide prevention program, and, and I asked Matt if he would come and, and be an advisor for me in that, and so that's where we first established relationship, and now all these years later, man, Matt has the same energy, the same passion, uh, the same humor, uh, but he's grown so much now in his ability to minister to the entire body of Christ, and uh, we're very excited to hear him come minister tonight, so give it up for Matt Moult. Hey, this, this is fun. This is fun. Uh, happy anniversary to you. I hope you get cake. Uh, 
Some of us got cake, and if you don't know where it is, if you just break into some of the offices, you can find it. So just feel free at the end of tonight, find the cake. It's a fun game, and uh, it's good. I uh, met Pastor Bob and Pastor Sue uh, in 1984. They became my youth pastors, and that's a long time ago, isn't it? And uh, they've been my pastors this whole time, and I just want to just say I'm honored to just have lived so much of my life with you guys involved in it, and you've just helped me grow, and you've been so loving and kind to us, and uh, our church, Lisa and I, uh, are indebted to you guys, and our success is your success, and all my failures are totally your failures. So, <laughs> praise God for relationships. Uh, I'd like to just um, also mention, uh, of course, my wife uh, got an open uh, service today, but just love her, and we just are having such a great time in life. And I want to thank my parents for being here tonight, Bob and Liz Molt, and I'm... I literally, I literally am the, the fruit of their looms, and so it's good to be here, and Stephen and Katie Tees are here tonight, too, who went on the church plant with us, and they came out because they wanted to celebrate because we came from this church, and so it's great to have them here uh, tonight, and we, they're actually selling, we have a book as well called Jesus People Cities. It's the story of our church, and you can pick up a copy, and uh, for us, uh, Van is actually getting rich off of his book. Mine's going back into ministry. And so if you buy my book, uh, what it does is it literally is just 100% of the money just goes back to buying more books. And we give those to every new person that comes into our church. And uh, so it's great. All right. I, I want to uh, give you a message tonight called The Freaking Message. Uh, also, also called, if you can put that up, no. Uh, I want to call, I'll give you a message tonight called Walk the Line. Walk the Line. So come on, be a little bit Southern, elbow somebody and say, Walk the Line. All right, Walk the Line. I want to tell you a story of a memory from when I was in City Harvest Church here quite a while ago. I remember when this building got built and uh, we had a dedication ceremony uh, weekend for that. And Pastor Bob had invited a bunch of pastors from around uh, the area to come in. And I was the youth pastor, so Bob didn't want me actually really talking to the pastors. He said, stand, at the guard, uh, stand and guard the door on the little ramp and don't let any City Harvest people in there. Just, the, you know, let the, but let the pastors from the city. I'm like, okay, Bob, I can do this. So I'm talking uh, to people, keeping them out. And then I'm also greeting the pastors, smiling at them. And this one pastor, Pastor Steve Fish, comes walking up. I never met him. And uh, I said, hey, Pastor Fish. It's uh, great to have you here. Thanks for coming out to our thing. And he says, it's great to be here. And I said, oh, wow, yeah, good. I said, good to have you here. And so uh, we're talking some more. And he was very friendly. He kept talking. And I said, well, tell me about your church. He says, well, we have a church down the road. And he says, well, what you guys did here in this building is beautiful. And I said, oh, all right, yeah, it's beautiful. And he keeps winking at me. He says, man, you heard about your youth ministry. You're doing a great job. I said, oh, thanks, you know. And all of a sudden, we talked for probably five or 10 minutes. He's winked at me probably 20 times. And Terry Schrader comes walking in and she had gone to church with him in California. And I said, Terry, that pastor, Steve, he is really friendly. She goes, oh, he's wonderful. I said, I know, but when he, he's so engaging, he was talking to me and he would just wink at me every time he said something. And I would just start a winking back. And she goes, Pastor Matt, he has a glass eye. So I was like, Okay, all right. So 
wonderful memories of being here. Uh, I, I actually tell you that story to tell you that I want to give you a message about vision tonight. Uh, <laughs> for real. This... <laughs> Stay with me. There'll be a Bible verse if you're lucky. Um, the original mission statement of this church was extending the kingdom of God by establishing churches in cities and nations around the world. And we're in this building tonight, and Lisa and I are in Tri-Cities, and all my friends are in their churches because of that vision. And I want you to know something, that if you get a vision from God, and if you just keep walking in a straight line, in the direction that God told you to go, eventually you're going to get there. And I want to just tell you, don't turn from, to the left, don't turn to the right, right, to celebrate toward the vision. And listen, God's done a lot, and it's a moment tonight to celebrate everything that God's done over the years, for sure. But I just felt called by God to challenge us tonight to say, listen, City Harvest Church, Go back to the things that you first loved and remember the vision that God showed you way back then. That's why we're here. And if you'll keep going in that same trajectory, you're going to see all the things that God has for you. And we're going to walk the line. We're going to not turn. We're not going to try to do something different. Not going to follow some trend. Not going to become something other than what God gave our pastors as the vision to plant a church here to reach lost people and to plant other churches that would reach lost people. And if we continue to go after the vision that God gave us, then I'm telling you, God will always let his hand of favor and blessing be upon us. I was reading or listening to a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell, and he told a story from Greek mythology about the ship of Theseus, the ship of Theseus, also known as Theseus's paradox. And it was this idea that, uh, philosophers would debate and they would say if a ship leaves the shore and goes out to sea and over uh, maybe returns in six months but if they have to repair the boat while at sea and they pull off a plank that's leaking and they've got to repair it with a new plank is that ship the same ship that left the harbor and then the philosophers would take it a far, another step farther and they'd say if they had enough wood on the boat and every plank they replaced was good, but they ended up having to replace every single plank that made up the ship. Is that ship the same ship that it was when it left the harbor? And men would debate this, women would talk about it and try to understand, is it the same thing or is it a different thing? And I've asked people these same question over the last few months uh, because it was interesting to me and people have different kinds of answers. I'm going to come back to that here at the end in just a few minutes. But I, I want to give you from the Bible tonight some stuff about Abraham that God dropped in my heart for this church. Abraham was a man of faith. He had a vision. He saw something, and he started walking in a straight line towards a place. God spoke to him. But there was three moments that he had to separate himself from certain things to get to the vision that God called him to. And if you're going to believe in your own life, that God has a vision for you. And if you're going to believe as a church that God has vision still for this church, come on, for the next few decades, you've got to know that in Hebrews uh, chapter, other things to get you to the good things that he has for you. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11, it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God 
uh, who called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. And in some ways, that's kind of the story of all of us church planners. We left the home to go to a place. And sometimes at the beginning stages, we didn't even know where we were going, but we were believing there was a people that God was sending us to. And here's the first thing that I want to share with you is this, that when God moves in your life with vision, he will separate you from your past. He, you'll leave your past behind, as Van so eloquently shared tonight, and he will take you from the old ways and get you into the new things. And it's an incredible thing. I read a book this year called The Bridge to Brilliance about Nancy Lopez, who's a teacher in one of the worst districts in Harlem, but she leads this inner city school, the charter school that she started. And she has these students who most of them are at the poverty level or below, and none of them had ever been outside of a three block radius of their city where they went to school. And so every year she would take her students and go on a walk across the bridge uh, over to another part of the boroughs and to get them over there. She said students were terrified. They didn't know how to act. They said, we've never been that far. We don't know. It's a whole nother world for them. But they would walk over this bridge and come down into a nicer part of town and go into a nice coffee shop and a bookstore and they would get each to buy a book and they'd go to a restaurant and they would experience life that they never knew existed on the other side of the bridge. And she said it was transformative for them. And listen, when you want to see God move in your life and you, when you're in destruction in your own life and you're wrecked because you haven't served Christ and, and all of the things that come with that, we can't even get to the new thing that God has for us until we can see it. And sometimes we got to cross a bridge and see something new to go, okay, that's where I want to go. And God gives us vision to help us leave our past behind and go, there is something different than what I've experienced in my life. We have a young man in our church who uh, is one of the greatest pot growers uh, in all of Washington state. This is a fact. And he was uh, hired and paid uh, $10,000, $15,000 a month, some horrendous fee to help make uh, some of the best marijuana plants. And uh, then he got hired when uh, marijuana became legal to sell in stores and he started running these stores and making even more money. And he runs into Austin, our son, and uh, they had known each other or something or had a common friend. They began to talk, and he said, hey, can I get coffee with you? I've got some questions about church and Jesus. And he said, yeah, uh, for sure, you can do that. So they started to meet. He started to come to the church. He started sitting on the front row. He's not a believer, but started to ask questions and kept meeting with Austin week after week. And eventually, he gave his heart to Christ. And now he's a spirit-filled pot grower. And... <laughs> It was powerful, and I was his high priest. Um, just kidding. But here's what happened. He said he started to get a vision in his life, and he said, man, I'd like to become an intern, Austin. Do you think I could become an intern? And he goes, man, I don't, I don't know if my dad's going to let you be an intern if you're, like, selling marijuana, you know, in Tri-Cities. And... Uh, he goes, you know what, I'll, I'll quit that. I'll, and so he quit that job and moved, just almost wow. <laughs> he, he moved to working behind the desk, but not actually selling the stuff, but just doing other things. And then he came, came to Austin, and Austin goes, Dad, nobody knows that he's selling pot anymore. And he goes, can he be an intern? And I just felt in my spirit to say, no, our interns are going to be leaders. And it's okay, he doesn't have to be an intern. He can still love Jesus. And he went back to that young man and said, listen, you can't, you can't be full on with Jesus and still have one foot in that world. And he said, I quit my job. I like Austin. 
He sat on that for a week, came back, and he said, I quit my job. I lived at my boss's house. I moved out. I'm going to work for my aunt selling retail clothing. I want to be an intern. I want to serve Jesus. I want to go after it. I'm telling you that when God gives you vision, one of the first things you're going to separate yourself from is your past, but you got to see a good future. Second thing is you got to separate yourself sometimes from your father's. Now, this was hard for all of us when we moved out of here because it was great working here because something got nasty and we would just go, we're just giving that to Bob. He'll handle that. Now it's like, call Bob and he won't pick up. And so <laughs> Bob's like, it's on you. And uh, here's what Genesis 11 says. One day Terah took his son Abraham and his daughter-in-law Sarah and his grandson Lot and they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran, and they settled there. Terah lived for 205 years, and he died while still in Haran. And let me tell you this, that it's the people that will sometimes be very close to you in your life. They'll only get halfway to the vision. They were called to get all the way to the promised land, but the father stopped and settled and lived a lot of years in a, a settled place. It's people who keep stopping in life end up settling in life. And what God wants us to do is sometimes separate ourselves even from close relationships that keep us from going all the way to Canaan land, to the promised land, to where we need to get to. And sometimes that's painful, but it's a step of faith. And so it doesn't matter what other churches are doing, doesn't matter what other Christians are doing, you gotta say, if God's called us to go all the way here to make a deep impact in Vancouver, Washington, then we're not gonna settle and just go, we're gonna rest for a while, we're gonna stop. No, we're gonna go all the way. You can stay here, we're going forward with what God showed us in vision. And this is the call of God for us. We felt like it was our place when we started New Vintage Church to be a church for lost people to come to. I actually got angry at Christians that were coming to our church. I'd say, you need to go back. And uh, my team said, well, some of them have money. I was like, well, you can stay. But we really didn't want, we really wanted unsaved people to come to our church. It's been a passion of ours. And I can tell you this, we've seen, man, almost 2,000 people make first-time commitments to Christ since we've been gone for seven years. And that's great, except this, not all of them are in our church and there's, that's just scratching the surface in our town. But we're gonna keep going. But here's the thing. We felt led to do that. And, and when you have vision, you're always gonna get people who are gonna push back and try to stop your vision. They're gonna say, let's just settle here for a little bit. And there's always people, people tell me this, you guys are way too charismatic. I was freaked out walking in here this morning. I'm like, oh, wow. Forgot how charismatic we can be, you know? And, and people are telling me, you're too charismatic. And I'm going, oh, no, no, go to City Harvest Church and you'll have a good time. Now, then I have, I'm not sure why everybody's cheering, but that's nice. So then I go, and other people come to me and go, you're not reaching enough lost people. You're too charismatic. And you know what I've had to decide? There's a fine line that God called me to go on my vision. I gotta walk that line I can't be pushed by people who want me to be more charismatic or more people friendly. I'm following Jesus and I'm doing the vision he gave us. And you gotta know that I had one guy come to me one time and I was about ready to be tipped over on this issue and he said to me this. He said, you know, you've got Christians in your church too, pastor. And I said, 
Maybe some of them should leave. And I just got angry. I said, you know, our church isn't going to work for you because we're always going to be reaching out to people that need Jesus. That's who we are. Can I just say, it doesn't matter what your vision is, but don't let people push you off the vision to settle in a place called Haran when you're supposed to get to the promised land. Pursue your vision, separate yourself from that. Third one is separate yourself from Lot. In Abraham's life, he had to separate himself from Lot. In Genesis chapter 13, it says the whole, they're talking, Abraham and Lot. They were both really, really wealthy. The Bible describes it in a way it says that literally the economy just couldn't handle both these dudes in one town. The whole countryside is open to you, so take your choice of any uh, section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then take the land, uh, I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, I'll go left. And this has been the heart of your pastors, to say, God has enough wealth, enough (laughs) M&Ms, For all of us. And so if you feel called to go do this, you go do that. And we're going to bless you and send you out. And there's a place of separation sometimes from people who we've gone the distance with, but they're going to go on to their calling. And those are tough moments at times. And I want to just thank you as a pastor to say, hey, thank you for blessing us when we left. And going, you can just go where you feel called. We're going to bless you on your way. And you know what? Both of them became wealthy, Lot and Abraham. And I love that. CHC is huge. And let me just say it like this. I thought through all the churches that are connected and uh, uh, one or two that are connected under Pastor Bob's care and stuff. And City Harvest Church has 5,000 people all around the nation and in other nations that call this home. And they may not know that this is their home, but there's at least 5,000 people that would say, this is my home. And they don't know it, but when they're thanking us as pastors, they're thanking Bob and Sue. And I want you to know that God has the wealth of the nations and he has blessed you. And you need to know that everything that you've given and sown, all the prayers you've prayed, when you pray in this place and you pray in that prayer room, it's not just staying in this building. Man, it's making Tri-Cities the world's greatest place to live. Come on, somebody. At least my wife, right? We believe it. Stephen Katie. So your prayers are having an impact. Your giving is having an impact. Back to Theseus's paradox to end tonight. As I was thinking about that, that was the first thought I had a couple weeks back when I was preparing for tonight. Is City Harvest Church the same church it was when it left if different people are peeled off and replaced with other people? If a plank is pulled off, is it the same thing? If all the people end up leaving over time and eventually we're all gonna die and it's gonna be all new people in this place, is it the same ship? And it's not the people or the planks that make City Harvest what it is. It's the design of the ship. It's the purposed calling and vision of the ship called City Harvest. And when it left shore, it had enough planks and God can add planks and he can replace all of us but it's gonna continue to sail in the next decades because it's the design and the purpose that the ship was made to sail for that makes it what it is, not the planks. We can leave and God can add more people. Come on, God can keep the ship going. I wanna wanna end with just reading you some lyrics from a song. 
that some of you know. I walk the line. I want you to think about this song not as a love song to a person, but as a love song to your city and as a love song to the vision of this house. You've got a way to keep me on your side. You give me cause for love that I can't hide. I walk the line and try to turn the tide because you're mine. I walk the line. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the ties that bind. Because this city and the vision of this church is mine, I walk the line. God bless you, City Harvest. Here's to the next 20 years. Come on.